You're listening to the Baby Dust Fertility Podcast, and I'm your host, Hannah Bowers. Now, on to the show. This podcast is sponsored by the Fertility Roadmap, your guide to optimizing conception. The self-paced course teaches you everything you need to know to feel confident on your conception journey. Over six modules, you'll gain in-depth knowledge on hormones, how to track and confirm ovulation, when to take a pregnancy test, and strategic lifestyle shifts that are proven to enhance fertility. You'll also gain access to an exclusive community, monthly Q&As, and bonus downloads. Enroll today at blissberrywellness.com. Hey friends, welcome back to the Baby Dust Fertility Podcast. I hope that you have been enjoying all of the amazing episodes that we've been putting out on the show. I know it has been a real joy and excitement for me to just sit down with each of these guests that we bring to the table and just listen to them talk about areas of their passion, of their expertise, um, and just dive in asking some of the questions that I, I know in, you guys have been asking and getting some of those answers that maybe haven't been so easy to find. So I hope you've been really appreciating those episodes. Um, one of the things that I've been wanting to sprinkle in more into the ongoing um, just set of resources and, and podcasts that we put out here is I wanted to really get more one-on-one with you. I wanted to jump on and have podcasts where I'm telling you from my own personal experience things um, that I wish I'd known, that getting a little bit more transparent about my own fertility journey. Uh, if you've been faithfully listening to this show for a while, you probably have pieced together various aspects of what that has looked like for me. But I really lately, when I've been thinking about what it was that I would want to share with you, it occurred to me that I really wish if I could rewind to these certain key points of our journey, I wish I had someone who would have just sat down and said, here are the things that I want you to know. Here are the things that I've learned. Here are the things that I found to be helpful. Um, and so that's my hope is, is I'm, I'm sitting down today recording the first of some solo cast shows just for you. Um, I hope that you find these to be that almost like that friend who's sitting down and sharing those secrets, sharing from personal experience. Um, because sometimes I think that's just so helpful and so relevant on this journey. But anyways, I, as I was thinking through, thinking through the last several years, you know, this, this has been, um, you know, it, the, the journey changes over time. It changes um, with the different stages of health and of life. Um, but over the years, I was thinking through some of the key things that have happened, the things that we have um, worked through. And one of the ones that really came back to me over and over again that I wanted to talk about with you today are the things I wish I'd known if we rewound and went back to when we miscarried um, almost, wow, <laughs> seven I think seven years ago. Wow, that's, that's crazy to say. Um, but I want to share with you some of the things that I really wish somebody had been there to share with me. And I wanted to start with this topic because I feel like miscarriage, pregnancy loss, it's such a common conversation topic in this community. Um, you know, I, I see it, we are admin team, we see it coming up regularly in the Baby Dust Fertility Facebook community, um, just hearing your stories of loss and hearing your stories of going through that. And I have to tell you, it's just like every single time I see one of those, it like breaks my heart a little bit, just knowing, you know, the struggle that goes in into that that whole grief and, and the whole experience. Um, 
And so, so I kind of want to break down. I'm going to start with telling you a little bit about my story, what that miscarriage was like for us. And then I want to share with you a couple things that, you know, I just wish I had known back then things, resources that I wish had been available. Um, some of them were not available at the time that we went through this. There's some new resources that are available now that are just really revolutionized. What, um, what 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 you can what you can do and what you can pursue um but but i just want to start there with our story you know i've shared in other podcasts snippets of our story um early on in our marriage we were um experienced some period problems and ended up in, in an OBGYN's office and unexpectedly got diagnosed with pcos um, but the thing that really struck us is like really took us off guard, even like more so than being told like you have this condition, was we ended up seeing two OBGYNs in our small community and they both said without skipping a beat, eh, you'll never get pregnant. You just come back when you're ready. <laughs> and I remember us walking out of the door thinking like at that time, we're not ready to, we're not ready to think about this. We're not ready to grow our family. Uh, and so it was really startling and really surprising. Um, and we decided that at that point that we would want to pursue what other other options we would have what natural options and things before we would return with the intention of medicated cycles and, and treatments and whatnot. And I will say before moving forward, since that time, we have never ever pursued um, any medical treatment for fertility. And I want to throw that out there because um, I think a lot of times it can feel so devastating. Um, it's partially why I feel so passionate about fertility because we discovered there are so many things you could do. So many things. Um, but anyways, coming back on track here, about a year and a half after we went through that experience, you know, we had it in our head. This is just never going to, we were told, you know, it's never going to happen. We were some skeptical of that. <laughs> well, the great surprise came when unexpectedly we found out we were expecting, um, there had been no intentional efforts to make this happen. It was one of those things where I'd had a late period that just never seemed to show up. And suddenly I had a positive pregnancy test in my hand and it was like this shocking, like, oh my goodness, I had not even comprehended that this might be possible at this point. And so under, so that was like a period of great joy, like, oh my goodness, this is awesome. This is exciting. We hadn't been planning on that yet, but you know what, that's okay. And unfortunately about three weeks went by and we, we would have been about nine weeks along at this point and um thing what happened so suddenly and so surprising and was so joyful quickly came to an end and um after experiencing some spotting we were directed to go into the er and um you know you you go in you you tell them kind of where you think you're at in the pregnancy and they pull out the ultrasound machine and i can still remember sitting there in that room um and we were so, it was like so blessed because we had this great ultrasound tech and the, the doctor that had been attached to our case right there in the ER was just amazing. Um, and they were just like, you know, we're really sorry, but there is no heartbeat. And um, it was pretty evident that development had stopped quite a while ago, but it took a while for it to show. And I remember leaving there just feeling so devastated, you know, like we, <laughs> you went through this high of, oh my goodness, this is happening. And then suddenly that same type of surprise and shock was like, okay, it's not happening. 
And I remember being so surprised because it had never once occurred to me in my head before that moment that we might have that experience. And what's interesting is when I've talked to others, other other women who have been through a loss, same deal. You know, you hear, you kind of hear about miscarriage. Maybe you don't, you know, I don't think at that point, this was way before I had started to pursue health, a career in health and working in health. Um, you know, it's long before that, you know, I never heard anybody mention a miscarriage. I don't know if I'd even ever heard anyone, you know, intentionally say the word, like I knew what it was, but I didn't know anybody, you know, that happened to other people, but then it happened to me. And that was shocking. Um, shocking. And it was like a devastating blow. Like, how is this even possible? And, you know, that was a journey. Grief, <laughs> grief is a journey. <laughs> there is no overnight healing There is, of grief. It takes time. It takes time to process. And I remember that from just an emotional perspective, I was so surprised by the emotional journey that came post loss of just having to grapple with what had happened, um, having to go through the process of, um, you know, the naturally delivering everything that was there. We didn't require any additional medical support, thankfully, um, but just going through that, you know, trying to mentally comprehend what was going on. And I remember just how um, just shocking it was to be even a few months down the road and it'd be like, oh, I'm still thinking about this. I'm still remembering this. And so I think one of the big things that I really wish I'd had was someone in my corner right there within the first few days post loss and in, in still there few weeks, a few months after the loss, who is just reminding me that that is normal. Um, because I think there's this societal expectation, or, or maybe it's not even societal, maybe we put it on ourselves, um, that we're supposed to be able to pick up the pieces and just keep, you know, get back with it, keep going. Like, it's no big deal. <laughs> and I think the reality is we have to recognize that the, there there is a grieving period. Um, this, you know, the pregnancy that you lost, if you've miscarried was, you may not have met that little person at that point, but you in your head had these dreams and these visions and these excitement, this excitement about what that would become. And so there's so much that goes into that process of losing, losing your little one and then grappling with the fact that that's just not going to happen. And so that was the first thing that I really wish I'd had someone there to just say to me was like, you know, it, this is normal. It's normal to still be thinking about this. It's normal to still be grieving. Um, and it's normal that it doesn't just clear up and that's okay. You know, another thing that kind of came as an interesting surprise was that, you know, it really can impact both. I, I remember my husband was just, he was, he was impacted by it as well, you know, deeply having been excited, having had those, ex, those, those, the joy of looking forward to what was to come and then to have that kind of just kind of disappear all of a sudden. And I remember talking with someone else not long ago. Um, well, I guess it's been a while now and just unexpectedly similar situation. The couple had conceived and then they had miscarried, um, several weeks later and just the degree of sadness from both him and her the both parents of going through that and i and i bring this up just as the reminder that i think sometimes um you know we women we think about things we we process things we'll talk to our friends about things sometimes that's not the case with our significant other or our husband and um just the reminder of that this loss is a loss for both and so navigating the loss, understanding that, giving grace to, to each other through this loss is something that is so 
valuable. Another one of those things that, you know, if somebody was whispering in my ear, like, hey, it's not just you who's thinking about this. It's not just you who's who's processing what has happened. Um, and so just that reminder, I wish I would have had, maybe it would have been a good to, to, you know, if somebody could have written it on a post-it note, stuck it on my mirror, just that reminder that, you know, we're both grieving, we're both going through this. And, you know, you know, it can be though that grief can be expressed in different ways. I know sometimes it can be hard, you know, for men to comprehend the pregnancy and the loss because they didn't, you know, experience some of those earlier pregnancy symptoms or feelings or whatnot, but it's still a loss for both. And so those are two big, more emotional, <laughs> emotional things that I just wish someone had been there to say to me. But then I kind of look back at a different perspective as well and think about, well, what are the things, the more practical, tangible things that I wish I would have known going into that scenario? And, you know, I think the first one was, you know, somebody told me a couple of years later that you can actually request pictures of the ultrasound in the ER so that you can take those home and you can have them as a keepsake. And so at that point, way past the time when that would was even possible. But I think look back and think, you know, that might have been nice to be able to ask for those printable those printouts to be able to take those home and just to have those as a memory. Um, and so that's something I wanted to share something I wish someone had said, you know, you can have you can request that. Um, and it's something you can take home that you can physically have forever to remember that little one. You know, another thing that nobody really discusses too much is the post-loss stats on conceiving again. And, you know, for couples who don't have any other fertility challenges going on, there's actually a fairly um, high success rate of conceiving again when trying within the first three months post-loss. Now, obviously, depending on the situation, depending on how far along you are, depending on what other things were necessary, it's a very individualized. And if you're not emotionally ready, you know, don't jump back in right away. Don't force the issue. Don't try to try again if that's not something that you're ready for. But, you know, if you are ready, you know, it's possible that within the first three months, things could happen. <laughs> and and I really want to emphasize, though, that STAT is really geared towards couples who don't have any fertility conditions present. It's, you know, it's always a little bit more complicated and a little more nuanced when you're navigating fertility challenges. Our story is we did not conceive again within three months. In fact, I don't even remember cycles returning for four-ish months. Um, and so that's really individualized to each woman, each woman's body and where, where, where she's at at that point. Um, but I think it's encouraging though, also to hear a stat like that, to hear that it is possible to conceive again so quickly, um, because it does give, I think this sense of hope that, you know, it is possible to turn around and perhaps be pregnant again in not, not too terribly long of a time frame. But yeah, those are like some of the big things that kind of feels simple as I'm talking right now. And as I'm sharing these with you, they kind of feel really simple. Like these are basic things. Um, but they're so simple that, you know, I wish they were more like common knowledge, things that we just all kind of knew whether or not, hopefully we wouldn't ever need to employ the information, but, but things that we knew going into it. You know, some other resources that weren't available at the time of our loss, and um, not all of these are actually would actually have been fully relevant to our situation. Um, but looking back, some of the things that I would have been interested in considering would have been like PDG testing. Um, we've talked 
I feel like we've talked at length about progesterone on this podcast. I know we had Sarah Jane Sandy on. We talked specifically about progesterone in that episode. Um, and we've, with, with various other guests, you know, progesterone has come up because it's a, you know, it's a pretty key player when it comes to cycles, when it comes to pregnancy. We want to make sure we have high enough levels. And so at the time of our loss, PDG testing was not even a thing. But I think if I had, if, if they had been a thing, I would have really wanted to invest a little bit in some PDG tests, which PDG te is testing the progesterone metabolite in the urine. As progesterone is broken down in the body, it gets excreted into the urine. And as more and more studies are being done on this compound, we're actually finding that it can be a great indicator of, you know, the, the potential serum progesterone levels um, post ovulation, and it can help to ensure just confirming with, with the testing um, at home, it can help to ensure that you have enough progesterone in your system. Now, like I said, this is testing PDG. This is testing the progesterone metabolite. But based on all the studies that I've seen, and there aren't a lot of them, but the studies that have come out that I have seen, uh, PDG, it tracks well with serum progesterone. So it's affordable. It's an easy thing to achieve um, or easy thing to acquire. Um, I really love Proof's products. I think Prove as a company as a whole is just incredible. Um, and they're the ones that I've personally used in the past few years. But having PDG testing available would have been something that I think would have been helpful, especially in cycles of trying post-loss because you know, there is this post-loss anxiety. You know, that's something I haven't even mentioned yet. Something that I wish somebody would have told me, you know, like, hey, <laughs> It's totally normal to feel a little anxious if you are pregnant again and you've had a loss. Um, it really is, guys. And I have to say, not to jump all over the place here, but I have to say that one of the biggest helpful tools that I have found for that post-loss anxiety is the Ed Can Help app. And I never would have expected it. But it really, really helped to clear up some of the some of the anxiety that can come from having one or more losses in the past. Um, but you know, having your PDG levels, being able to test those at home, being able to see those, can provide a certain level of assurance too. If you're able to say, okay, so my my PDG is rising to the level that we want to see it, and there is a level that we want to see PDG on cycle on post ovulation days seven, eight, nine, 10, because that's when you test it, seven, eight, nine, and 10 days past when you've ovulated. I mean, so there's some assurance that can come from that. You know, basal body temping has been around for a really long time. If that's something that you're regularly doing in your routine, that can also be a helpful metric in kind of evaluating uh, those post-ovulation hormones. Um, I love the book, Taking Charge of Your Fertility. I've read a few different books on basal body temping, and I somehow just keep returning to that one. I actually ended up buying myself a copy a couple years ago because it's just so informative and so helpful. And so, um, you know, if you're basal body temping, you know, pay attention to your temperature post ovulation, pay attention to where it's at. You know, we want it to stay high. We want it to be sustained high. Um, and you can continue testing that uh, just even as a measure of assurance. Now, the one thing I will say about all of these testing things, and I think this is a risk with testing culture, which I think there is a big testing culture in fertility, is there is a risk of feeling like today's test is the thing. And I say that 
understanding that, you know, we're all, when we're testing, you know, if you're testing LH, you're looking for that LH surge. If you're testing PDG, you're looking for the PDG surge, whatever you're testing. Um, but there is this temptation to just dwell and obsess over every single day's tests. And we want to make sure that we're not obsessing over that, but we're actually looking at the whole series of tests as a whole. And the same thing for basal body temping. We want to be looking at the whole chart, not just looking at today's temperature. And so that's something that I just point out. So there are some of these great at home testing options. You know, another resource that was not available during our loss, and probably this one would not have been as relevant to us, but Miscarriage Hope Desk has a recurrent loss lab sheet. I love it so much, um, primarily because I feel like it's really hard post loss, if you, especially for someone who has had repeated losses, which as I'm, I'm just want to make sure I do. I've only had one loss. So for anyone who's listening, who's had repeated losses, my heart, oh, my heart goes out to you. Um, really, I just my heart breaks every time I see those posts in our group of repeated losses. Oh, I just want to reach out and give each and every poster a big hug. Um, but the recurrent loss lab sheet is this amazing she, it is in depth. Allison Schaff, who is the founder of Miscarriage Hope Desk, created this resource out of her own journey of loss, which we actually did an interview with her not long ago. I highly recommend checking that out. She is just, she's great. And her interview was great. So much good information in there. Um, but you know, the thing I hear from a lot of women is that they get past a second loss and they're told that the, they won't, that insurance won't cover labs until they get to a third loss, which is just kind of like a kick in the stomach, honestly. And even for the ones whose insurance will cover after that second loss or have unfortunately been through the third loss, the, the, the lab testing is not always comprehensive. So I love, love, love miscarriage hope desks, recurrent loss lab sheet because it is comprehensive and it gives you this huge list of different rocks to look under. And so I want to just, you know, shout it from the rooftops like this exists. <laughs> and I want to make sure that every woman who could possibly be helped by this gets her hands on this. And it's not to say that you're going to take that lab sheet in and your, your provider is going to be like, oh yeah, let's run every single test because that's probably not going to happen but it gives you a list of things that you can actually take to the office that you can speak to your provider about and you can work through to make sure that you are ruling out every possible concern that could be a factor in what's causing the loss. And so I think that's really, really helpful to be aware of. And you know, one final thing that I wanna throw out here is that I just wanna put out the reminder that it's not just it's not, it's not just, it's not at all a one-sided issue of miscarriage. And this is kind of one of those permeating myths that I think it's just really important to repeatedly be stomping down. It's not just a woman's problem, miscarriage. Sperm contributes 50% of the DNA to what will develop into your sweet little baby. We talk about this in my course, the fertility roadmap. Um, sperm contributes 50% of the DNA. So sperm can be just as big of a contributor to losses as egg quality or something else that's not quite right in the, that in the woman's system, in the body, something that's not working right. And so I want to throw that out there as my last big thing. The last big thing that I wish somebody would have said, you know, 
because it should hopefully if you if you've been through a loss and you feel some weight from it hopefully this kind of takes that weight away a little bit but there is an equal equal part that both partners play here and each one can be contributing what could potentially be causing that loss and so that's why it is so vital to make sure that you're exploring health of both him and her and not just focusing on her fertility because both play a big role. Now, I, I feel like I've uh, kind of jumped down this uh, rabbit trail. We've kind of talked about a whole host of different things. Um, and I hope it's been encouraging. I hope that this uh, solo episode <laughs> um, it gives you a little bit of hope and a little bit of encouragement if you've been through a loss, just sharing with you the things that I wish I'd known, that I wish somebody had said to me that would have handed me a paper that said, here's the, you know, the top four, five, six things, um, because this is what it would be. This is what I would hope to have been told. Now, I, I wish we lived in a world where losses didn't happen. <laughs> uh, I wish we didn't even have to talk about it, but they do happen and they, they happen with regular frequency. And I think one of the greatest things that we've had is of one of the greatest detriments that we've had, um, is not discussing it more publicly. And I remember when we shared that we had gone through a loss and decided to post it on Facebook, which is really unusual because I don't really post a lot on Facebook personally. And I remember being so blown away by the number of people, including people in my own family, my own siblings, my own siblings, significant others, their wives, posting on here saying, oh, we've, we've had one or more losses, like the number of people who came out of the woodwork to say that was just astonishing. <laughs> and it just showed me that this is so common and so many of us have gone through it. But because you don't, you know, you count people's children, you can't count people's losses, you can't, you generally don't know. And so I want to encourage you, if you feel alone, if you are navigating this on, on your own, that you are not alone. You are not the only one in your sphere that has gone through this. I guarantee there are people in your space who have been through a loss or maybe even multiple losses. And I just want to share this episode both as kind of a reflective thing for myself to say, you know, this is looking back what I would, you know, rewind and say to myself or wish someone had said, but also to kind of keep this conversation of, you know, miscarriage happens. Pregnancy loss, unfortunately, happens at the forefront of our conversations here on the podcast because it is common. And I want to make sure that you know that you're not alone with whatever stage you're grieving through. So with that, friends, I'm going to sign off for today. Wow, I talked a lot longer than I planned. Um, but I'd love your feedback. I'd love to hear what you thought of this solo show. Have you found it to be helpful? And also, if you would have anything that you would want to add to this, you can comment directly on the, the, the episode post on our babydust.substack.com. You can head over to Instagram, comment on the post there, send me a message. I'd love to chat about it. I'd love to hear your feedback. Um, but with that, friends, I'm going to sign off for today. And we have another great episode of the show with a guest coming next week. So stay tuned. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. And we'll give you a shout out in an upcoming episode.